Good evening, Patriots. And it is April 20th, Wednesday, in the year 2022. Just in case you got confused from the last show. But that's okay. Because anymore, I'd believe anything. Someone could tell me, uh, by the way, um, it's 2030. And I'd be like, yeah, probably. Or just what do we do, time jump or something? This world is the weirdest world I've ever seen. And people, it doesn't get any weirder. In this, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. It is getting weirder every day. Every time I say that, it gets dumber. Oh, anyway, before we begin, make sure you're taking care of your immune system. We are surrounded by the stresses and the environmental issues that are challenging our immune systems. And keeping our immune systems strong is essential to maintaining a strong position in this fight. Expedition Coffee was designed specifically to not only give you that energy boost you need that will sustain you across the entire day while boosting your immune system and help maintain a mental focus throughout the day. You can find Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, Expedition Coffee at expeditioncoffee.com. And there you'll also find a full range of products that are designed to work as a full health ecosystem, all designed to reclaim your personal health sovereignty. Those products include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is one of the critical causes of sickness in our nation. You also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is a nutrient powder, giving your body a full complement of nutrients you need. Just mix it with water, drink it like a shake. Do that once a day. And Pure 47, one of the most refined silver extracts on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens that you'll encounter. The products on ExpeditionCoffee.com are all designed to give you back the strength in your immune system to not only endure the challenges to the immune system, but to dominate and to rise above to reclaim your true health sovereignty. So check out Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. Well, Patriots, this is, things just don't stop getting crazier. Let me just start with this to kick it off tonight. Said, and maybe some of it is because uh, there was the video of people on planes, on the plane, on one plane taking off their masks. Public polling does not actually show that there is a universal view of people getting rid of masks. That's not actually what public polling shows. <laughs> I'll tell you what, they'll make up and say anything, won't they? Oh, my goodness. And then you have this BBC cancels nude sex education theater show. Well, there you go. Targeting children after death threats. Yeah, so after they got death threats, they canceled the show. Promoted It promoted pleasure, queerness, and gender. Oh, here we go. To little children and showed them erections, BBC producers were forced to cancel a sex ed theater production called Family Sex Show. Featuring non-sexual nudity, the show explicitly targeted children's children as young as five years old to discuss things like consent, pleasure, queerness, and gender. If you want to invest in something, you need to invest in a millstone company. I think that would be a very good investment. People were asking me last night what to do with your wealth. I'll tell you what you do to your wealth. Invest in a millstone company. We're going to need a lot of them. I mean, a lot. And don't worry, it's biblical. And if it's biblical and you're investing in something biblical, I think the reward's like 100 times over. I mean, this is just over the top. 
These people are, and, and there's a thing that I keep saying, and there, there's an illogic in this that just, it's so far beyond understanding. So first of all, if these people who call themselves queer and transgender and all this other confused stuff are pushing this onto the public, can you imagine how they're raising their children? I, mean, I just hope God strikes down some serious lightning. And then it's the other part of it, which is by design, these are doing this to try to incite hatred. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't have to hate these people. I can just tell you I can't coexist with them. It's just that simple. I say this all over and over. What you do in your bedroom, which is not exactly true, but the basic thing is what you do in your bedroom is your own damn business. I don't want to know about it. I don't care what you do. It's between you and God. You start bringing that into the public square and start making it my problem, that's a different story. Absolutely insane. You know, this is a great post today. This is by Manor Maven, which is at MWAM1993 sub, subtext. And it, it, this is what it says. Quote, I, was just, I just want things to go back to normal, end quote. And then she continues, we've all said it. Well, okay. Just keep in mind that normal was eating, was us eating and drinking poisoned food and water, our kids being indoctrinated in school without our knowledge, us dutifully taking big pharma pills, voting for what we believed were decent politicians, and being a literal slave to the tax man. No thanks to returning normal to that. The last two years have sucked, yes, but they have also been very revealing. So true. I'll tell you right now, this is crazy. But here's the thing. These people understand what they're doing. Take a listen to this one minute piece. Hold on a sec. Here we go. And so it has been with but minor variations in one country after another. Divide the people. Get them fighting among themselves rather than their common enemy. Create the appearance of popular support through a favorable press and the use of terror, intimidation, and the creation of martyrs. Make the world believe the revolution is a popular one. Neutralize the opposition. When obstructionists to the cause become too irritating, label them as fascist, Nazi, anti-Semitic, extremist, racist, controversial. Precipitate mob violence. Get the mobs into the streets. March and demonstrate. As the demonstrations grow in number and intensity, they will acquire political character through the desired collision and open combat with the forces of law and order. It's the same playbook over and over and over. And unfortunately, we keep suckering for it over and over and over. Uh, you know, it's we, we've got to start breaking away from the system. Take a listen to this. For every single department of government you have on a federal, local, county, state, provincial level, the United Nations had an equivalent department to deal with everything. It was, it was already set up, in fact, to be global government. H.G. Wells said that the League of Nations is the nucleus of the world governments, when eventually all laws will come from there, be passed and signed into law by treaty 
of all the membering countries. Eventually, we won't even have to go through the farce of voting in uh, parties or candidates because in the latter part of the 20th century and now into the 21st century, we're being trained rather obviously to simply accept rule by experts, rule by scientists, rule by professionals. And that's what they mean when they call uh, govern governments governance. I'll tell you right now, the whole thing that's crazy is that they've had this plan in our face for so long. And there have been people that have spoken about it for a long time. Bill Cooper was one. Uh, John Birch Society was another. They've been speaking about this for years, but people just thought they were too extreme, thought it was too crazy. And much of that came from what I constantly say is that when you are in the world of convenience and they're selling you convenience, they are also selling you capitulation into their slavery. So we have to start going back to go forward. I keep saying that we have to get back to traditional skills. We need to be operation sowing seed. We need to be sowing seeds, physically putting our hands in the earth and sowing spiritual seeds at the same time. And we've got to get back to older skills. You need to know how to build things. You know how to butcher animals. You need to know how to grow things. You need to know how to make things, fix things. That's, this is what we're required to do. And we have to pass those skills on to the youth. And we've got to get very serious about defending our lifestyle. What these people have done is they've used, used this soft power concept, which is influence in legal economics. They're, most of what we're dealing with here is a minority. And it continues to encroach upon our lives. And that's not us taking authority over evil. Listen to this piece on the social credit score and food. It's real interesting. What, 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 what about when, not if, when? If you get to buy food depends on this little score on this card, which might actually be embedded under your skin, or it might just be a, a card or a thing on your phone. What if your score is not high enough because they didn't like something that you did? Like you walked off the sidewalk onto a green space, for example. I'm not exaggerating here. This is how I see this going. Whatever they, they consider, whoever they are, to be out of line, which is basically just not being a, 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 an automaton wearing the exact same thing, doing the exact same thing, you know, blah, 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 the serfs, you know. If you fall out of line, you will be removed. There are going to be a lot. I know this is going to sound scary, but I, I, I'm, I, I hope it does scare people who are listening because there are going to be a lot of deaths coming up soon. I'm not talking about injections. I'm talking about food shortages and water wars are going to start. I mean, I'm sure of it. You know, there, there, there has to be a reason why these psychopathic billionaires are buying up all the farmland and trying to incentivize people who still are farmers to not be farmers anymore. Think about that. You know, it's um, we're looking at some hard times ahead. That's why people like me and, and other people like you are fighting back because there's. It's more than a feeling that something is wrong here. It's very visible to me. It's, it's almost like I can't not see it everywhere I look now. It's just, it, there's, the world's gone mad. 
Um, and if you're not angry and fighting back every freaking day right now, as far as I'm concerned, then you're not seeing things clearly. You're not seeing the truth. It's, it's not fun, but um, it also won't be forever if we, if we fight back now. I think this is our last chance, people. I really do. I would agree with that. And I, I think that we're all being pressed to a point here to make a pretty direct decision and to be able to address what it is that we're here for. We're definitely not here for just sitting back and writing out the time, which unfortunately has become real kind of inculcated view within a lot of the conventional teachings. That once we accept Christ, it just it's kind of throw your feet back and as long as you're a daily, you're just a good person. That's okay. And you can just endure everything and accept everything. I love and hugs. We've lost the principles of right and wrong. And we've lost the principles of hardline. There is such a thing when I talk about in like say martial views in, in Christianity. And being martial is being disciplined, is having some very rigid lines. And you have to be at certain points, you also have to accept aggressiveness to defend what we have and what is ours. That's shown in the watchers on the wall. It's, it's shown in many other ways. It's not just to sit back and let them run us over. And what's happened is that people have become so pacified that now this evil has encroached and pinned our lives and it's gone after the children. And not only has it gone after the children, it has successfully grabbed the children. I mean, that's something we have to accept now. These groomers have very effectively gone in and grabbed the children. I listened to some piece today by some politician who was talking about how Jesus would be a groomer if he was he'd be considered a groomer in this day and age. And it's just blasphemy to even listen to this guy talk. And the whole point of it is that he, when he kind of reveals, he said, I was an altar boy. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that probably explains a whole bunch that you don't want to reveal to the public. We've had this problem too long in our culture of just accepting things. Here's a little interesting lesson here for tonight, and we're going to talk about a lot of things, but we all know the 501c3 charity model for churches, which is quite interesting in its whole principle because what it's effectively doing is giving churches a marketing angle to tell people that if you're if you give a donation, you know basically a portion of it's tax free. You're going to get a kickback on your taxes. I haven't quite figured out why churches do this. I'm very honest about this because there is something called a five hundred eight one a. The thing is, the churches were sold a bill of goods, and I think what it is is be, it's it's literally like a Lucifer's trick. Because they're sold this thing about being a charity and that, and that charity sounds nice anyway. And we're a 501c3 and that way you get your donations. But we can't, we agree on that terms that we're not going to speak about certain topics politically, which is garbage. Most people don't know that a 508 is a constitutional framework within the IRS code. And that constitutional framework is as it was designed in the Constitution, a separation of church and state, which automatically makes the church tax-free. I'm not, this is for real. You can look it up. 
And it's once you establish the governance model in your church, then and you're, you set yourself up as a constitutional church, you are no longer taxable by the federal government. And to my understanding, people that donate can also get a, can take their donations and deduct them at least up to a certain amount. What we've gone so far astray from what was intended, and churches have gagged themselves. And in the process, we have lost such a critical voice in this time. Our country was brought to its feet, brought to arms, ultimately, by the pastors. And yesterday was the anniversary of the Battle of Lexington and Concord. Critical day, April 19th. And who led that fight? It was the pastors that led that fight. These were strong men. These were men that spoke boldly from the pulpit, but they didn't just speak. They took action when necessary, and they were capable of it. But they were men of, they were men of God, and they understood that there was a line which we could not cross. The question I ask you to, is, where would our founding fathers be today if this groomer culture was taking over their children? Do you think they would sit back and say, hmm, I don't know if we should do anything. I don't know what to do. I doubt that. And where we are today is going to require some pretty bold action. We need, again, I mean, the other part that's missing, and we keep, we've talked about this a lot, but we definitely need more men of bold, godly leadership. I don't need another, I don't need a politician with patent leather shoes and slick back hair telling me what to do. But I do want to see some gritty men that have that strength to understand that there's a time when we cannot allow this to go any further. It has to stop. And they have to lead communities. And they have to lead in the real life of things to raise up communities to make them strong. That's the leadership we need. And it's to me, that's true godly leadership. Because we're coming to a time we're at a time of the, the of the valley of decision where nations will be judged and we are being forced into a place where we have to literally decide the direction we're going to go. I think, you know, when you talk about judgment, you consider Daniel 12, 1 to 2. Now at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise. And there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since this there was a nation until that time. And at that time, people, at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book will be rescued. And many of those who slept in the dust of the ground will awake. These to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. I don't know who those are. I don't try to ever make those predictions. But I can say this, that in the concept of contempt, high on my list of contempt are those that try to groom children to be like their own. The progressive side of this world, the woke side of this world, is obsessed with sex. It's its center, it's its centrifuge of everything it does. It, without sex, it has little of nothing, a little of anything to offer. 
and sex and sexuality are everything to them because so much of what rep, what they represent has to be defined that way. When you take a look at older and other religions, or faiths, we'll say, like Hinduism, and you start talking about chakras, which are levels of energy, it's always interesting to note that the lowest level of chakra is that of sexual energy. And here we are with people that are trying to lead the world, and the only thing they're obsessed about is sex. They can't live without it. I don't care if what side of the political fence you're on. When they're there, they have to define themselves by their sexual orientation. That's all it needs to be said. I mean, I don't walk into the world and go, um, I'm a heterosexual. I don't, I don't need that validation because what I know is that I'm in walking a path with God, and that's how I validate myself. The interesting thing about that, is, and that validation I don't need publicly, it's what I have validated through God and through my relationship in Christ. And I think that all of us can say that because we're solid there. And this is another reason why I think that they are so hatred, hateful towards Christians because they don't like the fact that as we stand up and we say this is morally wrong, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that they're morally wrong. They want to hear that we're unvalidated. They want to hear that you, you're going to respect me. You're going to accept me as a human because I'm sexually perverted, meaning them, not me. And that perversion has, it's just such a hand of evil that's worked within things. I don't, you know, like I said, I, it just, it irritates me that this comes out in public because it's really, what goes on in a person's bedroom is their business. It's between them and God. And God will handle that like everything else. But the line gets crossed when you bring it into the public all the time and you're throwing it on the wall and throw it in our face and especially you're trying to pollute the kids. And they see nothing wrong with this. They have no limit to what they'll do. And it's for that reason that they're, it's justifiable to ask, what's the motive and how many in their ranks are pedophiles? That's an essential discussion that has to be had, but they want to suppress that. Our nation is morally off track, to say the least. It's approaching morally bankrupt at this point in time. And our political leadership is so concerned about the issues of re-election, and I mean both sides, because I don't know if you realize, but the transgender movement, LGBTQAI+, has been invited into the Republican Party formally. And that was done at Mar-a-Lago. And that was driven by Richard, was it Gear or Greer, whatever his name is, or the, the National Security Advisor guy. All right, so again, when are we going to stop Rich Grinnell? Thank you, Richard Grinnell. I just saw it on the board. Again, we don't have the need to know a person's sexuality, and yet that is an identifier, and then that becomes a motivation issue to draw more in. And, and this whole thing is about building this unified platform. Well, you know, I can't accept that. Not when it's in my face. 
not when it has to become part of the political space. And we're getting to a place now where we are all going to have to make some hard decisions. And the decisions kind of look like this. It's like unity or morality. I don't have an answer here, by the way. I'm just putting it out that we have to start really digging in on this. At what a cost do we build unity? And at what cost do we build unity to our faith? Because we've, we keep certain things to ourselves in private. We open our hearts up openly to God. We respect boundaries of certain things like keeping your hands off kids. The problem is that when we talk about a, a group of people that are very vocal right now in the gay, lesbian, transgender, queer community, where, let's just start in this place of like, where are the voices saying that the behavior to groom kids is wrong? And of course, that isn't being said. We don't hear anything like that right now. That should bother everybody. And it leaves this group of people very vulnerable towards a heavy judgment, which unfortunately is well-earned at this point because, again, kids are not their domain to deal with. And there, there's so many of the woke culture that feel that it's not just their right, it's their duty and a child's vulnerable. A child is, is God's gift to us. So as parents, we have, a, as parents across the nation, there is this situation that now has arisen that it's a choice. And I, again, God gives us choices. And these choices that we have aren't always easy, but he always gives us a way to endure it. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation is, has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with that temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Endure is the critical word here. And I've mentioned this in previous shows. I mean, endure is a critical word because it doesn't say you will be able to walk on your normal life. This is a difficult time for everybody. So if you're leaving your children in school, you're leaving them vulnerable and susceptible to the groomer culture and worse, the CRT and other influences there. I mean, right now you've got Common Core as a base critical race theory, which is now pretty much pervasive across all school systems, and queer theory, QT, which is their other theory. All of these things are part of one big package. So that leaves many questions for us as a society. Number, you know, The first and foremost question is, how do we value our children? And if we value our children to say, I wish my child wouldn't be exposed to that or I'm going to fight the school district and try to get it removed – and yet you know that they're still going to school and it's being taught, where is that true value that you put in terms of children? Have you decided that it's just too inconvenient to protect your child that God gave you to steward? 
These are hard questions, and they're questions that every parent out there is having to ask right now, but there's only one answer, and it's 1 Corinthians 10.13. But with the temptations, he will also provide the way to escape that you may be able to endure it. Enduring, it's easy. Homeschool your child. Pull them out of school. Because they aren't listening. And they're not going to listen. These are people that have no intention of moderating. You know, what I'm going to read here is very extreme. But it's something that's, I just want to, I think it puts a lot of things in perspective. And it was just a, a, a meme that came up I saw today. And it says, God gave his archangels weapons because even the Almighty knew you, you didn't fight evil with tolerance and understanding. I think we, in a lot of our scriptures, we are reading about tolerance and understanding and love and forgiveness, which I know is a powerful message of Christ. But I also often say, and it's important to understand, that there is a time to flip tables and there is a time to pull out the whip. And Christ has warned many times about touching the little, the little ones and has warned that it would be better to die, have a millstone around your neck than to have Father find you. That's my wording. It's a little bit paraphrased. I mean, I want you to just think about that for a minute. A millstone around your neck, which is not exactly a pleasant death, by the way. Can't be. Because you're going to be like being pulled down to the bottom with no escape. And that somehow is going to be a better death than if Father found you. The rules have been laid out. And we have, I, I guess the problem I have is, and we're all struggling with it, I'm not excluding myself, but we are all being, we're all holding back a lot right now. For many reasons, because we're trying to balance this, we're trying to, you know, we're praying a lot and we're listening to God a lot. But there is a point in time that we're all going to have to face that this evil has no intention of stopping. I don't know what that tipping point is. But I know this that in my prayers and a regular discussion I have with Father is that. We don't know what it is, but we have to be ready in our heart to accept it when that time comes and not be timid about it. Because you're, There's a point here that's absolutely insane, and I don't know what that martial line looks like, but what I do know, and I've said it before, is part of that martial line is being aggressive with the sword of the Spirit. That is quoting Scripture. That is calling things out as it is. That is speaking boldly. That is singing him and his I mean, there's a, a there was a meeting the other day and I I want it's oh I want I'm trying to think where it was but it was on film and it was it may have been New Orleans but either way they were they literally opened their city council meeting with an invocation a, a prayer to Lucifer. These people are in the open. There is no 
I'm sorry. It was oh, that's why it surprised me because it's right here. I'm not even going to play because if I play it, I swear we'll have to pray the rest of the night just to get rid of it off this channel. But it's it's literally it was the Alaska government meeting that they began the meeting with a prayer to Satan, a prayer to Lucifer. It was a satanic church that did it. This is not a question of whether this is a fight, a spiritual fight. This is a fight for everything. And I think the more that we can step back and realize that and realize what's at stake, because I go back always and so often, I think I probably sound like a, I don't care if I do, <laughs> but I know I sound at times like a broken record because I go back to Luke ten nineteen. And the two passages I read constantly, Luke 10, 19 and John 14, 12. Luke 10, 19, behold, I've given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. Red letter language, words of Christ before the crucifixion. It's as plain as that, literally. And somehow we don't put those before us and proclaim it and live it. We have allowed these people to assume authority over us and to try to control us and worse, they have trying to pollute our children to be as screwed up as they are. And that is not acceptable so when is that line when we are going to literally draw that line and say no more right so I want to compare this because this is really important we have been given authority to walk on snakes and scorpions or I, we have an authority over all power of the enemy and so then right down here in the Declaration of Independence it reads, but when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off, to throw off such government and provide new guards for their future security. Our own Declaration of Independence gives us the same power as Luke 10.19. God gives us Luke 10.19. Jesus spoke those words. And even in our country's doctrine, our founding document, Declaration of Independence, that is the founding first major document of this nation. That document gives us the same authority. And yet we're disconnected on it. And I think part of it is a confusion and a convolution of just not knowing what to do because we're being told over and over that if you do this, you're judgmental. If you do this, you're a racist. If you do this, it's like, um, okay, scripturally, it's just wrong. And fundamentally, you're screwing with the kids, and that's a millstone. So there's really shouldn't be any confusion on our part. The problem is that the right, the conservative movement in this nation and the Christian movement in this nation and 
the MAGA movement of this nation and the Republican movement of this nation all try to work and say that the rule of law works. But we know that the rule of law is broken. The only law that works is God's law. We're going to have to really come to a place in our hearts to understand that every day we step into this world, it is spiritual war. And we have to start really putting our prayers to God to ask for that guidance, but also the power and the courage to be the David, to stand up to this and just call it out. We're seeing more and more of that, and I'm not saying there's none of it happening, but to understand that much of the responsibility rests with us. It's not just a waiting for a hand to come in and fix it. And I, I've just seen too much of that attitude, in, at least in my world, where people are just kind of wanting it to get done or get over with or waiting for God to come and fix it or waiting for Christ to return. It's like um, Luke ten nineteen, right? I mean, we were given the authority. So when I go back and I look at and I think about these things, and I'm, I'm very serious about what I'm going to say here because and this may not fit with the way people read Scripture, and that's okay. But I just want you to consider this. We've been given authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy. Christ gave us that. And goes on to say that nothing and nothing will injure you. Those were Christ's words to us. Now I want to go to Daniel 12, 1 to 2, and I want to reread this, and I want you to think about this. If we are not doing our job as Christ has told us that we do have authority. And even more than that, that we, as long as we believe in him, we will do greater works than him. That's John 14, 12. Where does that put us in the book? It's referred to in Daniel 12, 1. Now at the time, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people will arise and there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book will be rescued. And many of those who sleep in the dust on the ground will awake these to everlasting life, but the others to to disgrace and everlasting contempt. So I'm just putting this out there as kind of this, way of looking at things to consider for tonight. Christ has told us we have authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the evil and nothing and no harm will come to us. Okay? God has told us that no matter what happens, there will always be a way we can get away from the temptation and endure it. Those are two things that are on us, not like, not some magic thing that's going to happen. That's our responsibility. So what is that judgment on us, which we all are going to face it, when we're not executing those commands and we're finding excuses or reasons not to? That's my world. That's how I think. That's what I ask myself. These are the challenges I put to myself. You can agree or disagree. But 
I think that when we get away from this sort of soft marshmallow approach to Christianity and we start to get into the martial sense of, of this relationship with Christ, that there is truly a right and a wrong, that there is a use for the sword of the spirit and it's mighty and mightier than the sword of steel, that there is an enemy that is a true enemy, that we have a responsibility to stand, to be committed to our walk with God, but also to take authority in this world. And if we aren't doing those things, are we truly living to what we've been asked to do? Take it to prayer. But I I think it's worth looking at. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time each day that we come together to just reflect deeply on Scripture and your words. And we are just so deeply humbled and equally overwhelmed with the reminder of all that was sacrificed for us by, by Christ. Unfortunately, in our world, Father, we have worked into a place where we've become very soft in our faith. We've forgotten the demands that were put upon us in the Old Testament. And I think many would have to acknowledge that as we've seen the, in the New Testament with the opportunities of how our sins have been forgiven through the sacrifice of Christ, we haven't embraced that as a greater victory and a greater urgency to be bold and to assume dominion in this land. So, Father, tonight where I, the prayer is just very simple, that you can hear our prayers and that all those that are willing to, uh, to look at that subject can hear from you. It can be put that idea that if are we living up to the responsibilities that we've been asked to do, not the responsibilities to cower and to accept everything, but quite to the contrary, a responsibility to be bold, to establish hard lines on certain things, and to understand that there is a, a war that we're in the middle of, and that is a spiritual war, and that demands a warrior's heart. So, Father, we just ask that you lead us as need to be led, that those that are willing to take that step can extend that in their prayers and hear the response and to embrace and to hear and to learn the strength of the warrior's heart and that heart that Christ walked with, that powerful heart of a warrior in our time. Guide us and protect us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Not easy subjects, no easy answers. And it's this constant duality that exists. And I think the duality is actually answered in a little different way as we kind of wrap this up tonight. And that duality is always the metaphor of the sword of the spirit and the sword of steel. I do believe that when we embrace what Luke 10, 19 and John 14, 12 speak of, and when we seek that in God, that where we arrive is a place greater and more powerful than anything we understand or currently walk within. 
it's not about a hug. It's not about this sort of squishy, new-agey garbage of let's give each other a hug and call it good and we'll all get along. That's garbage. It's about a discipline. It's about a martial heart. It's about a fever and a frenzy to seek a deeper relationship with Father. You're on the edge there. And there's a place where we're, we're building bridges, but there's also a place where we embrace and accept that there is such a thing as pure evil and we sure as heck don't go up and give it a hug that reality that intensity that discipline is where i think there's immense room to grow and it doesn't make you an evil person it doesn't make you an aggressive person it makes you a disciplined person in the faith Seeking that strength and that warrior heart of God, the boldness, the fearlessness. And that's, a, that's also a walk. So let me just close with this. I studied martial arts for a lot of years. I'm not as much a practitioner as I used to be. But it always struck me that when I was, when I'm, when I was deep in training, and I was training like four, five hours a day, I would have people come up to me and say, you train in the martial arts. And I'd be like, okay, yeah. And it was typically people coming from East Asia or from Asia, from the Pacific Rim, like Japan, China, Korea. And, and I often ask, I'm like, why do you say that? And it's like, because it's something that you're, you're, it's just kind of who you are. It's your presence. I think it's a very powerful statement, and I don't think we embrace that enough in the power and the presence of Christ within us as we walk in the world. That's a martial, a martial presence. And as we embrace that strength and that power, it literally crushes the enemy in its presence. When we invoke the name of Jesus, that's not something we can say lightly. It's not something you should, we should ever just cast out. But it is truly, a, it's, a, it's a hammer. More than that, it's sometimes probably a nuclear bomb. We are equipped and we've been given that authority to proclaim over dominion over evil. I just put it to each person, pursue it. Because there's nothing out here we can be afraid of. We can't be afraid because God's with us. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press in to the fight. Right now, above all, I think that there needs to be a lot of prayers towards that warrior's heart. This is truly, we are all part of God's army, and God is with us. He will never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, have a very blessed night. I will see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee, 1 Pacific, 1 p.m. Pacific. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too All the nights spent
from the rain.